ask for it to rain. What are we, what are we asking for? So I was just walking around and uh, my eyes would catch on somebody and so I want to speak a few words to people. As I do this, I'm doing it to say to you, you can do the same. I'm not doing it for you to say, wow, what did he do? I'm doing it so you can do exactly the same. As you look around today, God may give you, cause you to focus on somebody. And if he does, just concentrate on it and see if he says something to you. And if he does, he's probably saying it to you so that you can share it with him. Now you can ask him, are you asking me to, because sometimes you're, you're just to pray it not to, to do something. As I, as I looked at Gary this morning, I felt like the Lord wanted to uh, say something to him. Now, I'm looking at him, but you can look at him too. We can all look at Gary. <laughs> and as, as you do, maybe the Lord will give you something. And after the service, you can go up to him and say, Gary, you mind if I give you a word? You know, ask him if they're comfortable with that. Gary, you okay? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, thank you. Well, I trust Gary. What I saw was a surgeon. Gary's a surgeon. And that he's very careful. Surgeons have to be careful in how they operate on people. If they're casual, if they're indifferent, look out. That's going to be problematic. But Gary's very careful. And because of that, God is going to give you more assignments, more important assignments of caring for people and seeing to their healing. So I bless you. Put your hands on Gary. Let's pray for him that in the days ahead, he have important assignments, surgical assignments, to take things out of people, to remove things that don't belong. And God has given him and entrusted him with that because there's a, he's walked to walk and he's honorable before the Lord. And the Lord is going to help him and people are going to be amazed at how they come out. They're better. They're feeling better. They're stronger because God used Gary to operate on him, and it was a successful surgery. We bless you with much success in the days ahead. Okay. I want to give one to my son, Andrew. Is that okay with you guys? Okay. Put your... <laughs> okay, we got, we got several Andrews around here. This is for Andrew Anderson. And you are right on schedule. You're right where God wants you, right now, right in this season. You don't have to wonder if you got there late. You are right at the very moment, at this very moment. And with the baby that's coming, the Lord is opening your heart to be a father, not just to this child. But in this season, you're going to be parenting. And you're going to have people that come to you because they see that you are a father and that you have a heart, and that you can have many, many children. You'll have more children than you'd planned on, more children than you'd anticipated, because you have a heart that cares for children, that God will give you words, and you will have power in your words, and there will affect change in sons and daughters. Let's say an amen to that. Amen. amen. Andrew's got a destiny. Wonderful destiny in the Lord. We're going we're gonna to say goodbye to Paul today because he's going to Iraq. And as I thought about you, I'm saying to you, you don't have a chance. You don't have a chance other 
than to serve God with all your heart. It's like Paul in the Bible. He didn't have a chance. He was going to destroy people in Damascus, and God apprehended him. Did he have a chance? God put him down to the ground, and he cried, Uncle. God changed. When he talked about his testimony, he didn't say, I have decided to follow Jesus. When he who had appointed me before I was born and was pleased to impart his grace to me, that's, that's how Paul talks about his conversion. It was God wrestling him down, turning him around, giving him something new. You don't have a chance. You're going to go as a leader. You are a leader. You're called to lead. And there are men that are going to come to you. And as they come to you, you're going to be bold. You're not going to back off. You're going to be bold. You're going to have the word. You don't have to worry about the words. They're going to be there when they need to be there. Because God has appointed you for this time and this season. He's going to protect you. You're going to come back. In fact, we're going to hear about you. That you've done exploits. Wonderful exploits. And you know it won't be you. You know it won't be you. It will be the king. You've found favor with him. What does it have to do with you? Well, God just chose it. That's God's choosing. So you, all you can do is just say, okay, I give in. Okay. Let it be according to your word. That's what Mary said. She was not into immaculate conception, so she just said, okay, <laughs> let it be according to your word. But this is for you, Paul. We look forward. Let's bless Paul. We bless him on his way, Lord. We're really thankful that Paul's among us, and we thank you for the charge that you have given to him. Amen. One, one more. I'm just writing things here. Where's Jacob? There, the, yeah, you. Stand up, Jacob. <clears throat> I've been blessed as Jacob's been coming the last couple months. He's got a heart. And uh, I've got something to say, but before I do, anybody else that wants to say something, just put your hands on him, near, near him. If anybody sees anything that you want to speak to him, speak it real loud so that uh, we can all hear. <clears throat> just... Wonderful, wonderful. Can you receive that, Jacob? Yes. Do you believe it? Yes. Is it true about you? Yes. Okay. Amen. Amen. That was a pretty good clap. There we go. Okay. No. No, I'll, I'll give it to him later. If any of you others have words. Prophecy, the Bible says, prophecy is, is not for weirdos. It's not doing weird things. It's not saying weird things. It's to bring encouragement, edification, or comfort to the people of God and to the people out there. You can do it on the streets. In the book of Acts, it happened more often out in the streets than it did in the church. So we can practice in here. We can, we can encourage others. We can edify others. Was that encouraging to you, Paul? Probably a prophetic word. Was that encouraging to you, Jacob? 
I've had prophecies recently. There's been a spirit of prophecy that's been poured out on Lydia House and Communitas in the last month. And it's growing, and it'll continue to grow. So step into it. If you've never done this before, say, by God's grace, I can prophesy. Because that's what the Bible says. Paul said, you can all prophesy. What changed? Pentecost changed. When Pentecost came, Peter announced it. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Even on my men servants and maid servants, cross gender lines, cross social strata, pour out my spirit. Young men, old men, they're moved by the spirit. So we can expect to be moved by the spirit of God as we come together, as we are in our families and this family. So I'm going to start with application and then move back and we're going to go through a passage. I'm thankful for my father. I was 10 years old when I raised my hand and said I, I gave my heart to service. And I knew after then that I was going to be a pastor. Wasn't always excited to tell people. In high school, I wrote a, something on architecture. They said, write something on what you're going to be. And I was embarrassed to write on being a pastor. So I wrote on architecture. I knew I was going to be a pastor. And sometimes pastors, kids don't want to be pastors because they see what it does to their pastor dad. But I, I liked what I saw in my father. My father was kind. He was gentle. I, I heard him scream one, yell one time in his life. And that was when he was putting up a tent and he ripped it. He had borrowed it and he wasn't real happy about it. And I was surprised. He got angry. I hadn't seen that. Didn't see that. I can only remember him that time. And he, uh, he, he said something a little louder than normal. Otherwise, he, he was a gentle man. Loved people. I heard him say once, and I, I'd have to say this in the right company, the right, right people. He said, I wouldn't walk across the street to make somebody a Lutheran. But I'd walk a lot of miles to make somebody a child of God. So he, he had an evangelistic heart. He, he was on a train once, and the Lord came on him while he was traveling on a train. And uh, he asked the conductor if he could have a service. The next day, it was going to be Sunday. And so he stayed up, read through the whole book of Isaiah, and preached on Isaiah and called people to believe in Jesus. One of my favorite memories was uh, before a basketball game, and he, he knew I liked T-Bone State because he liked T-Bone State. That was his favorite, so it was my favorite too. And so he got one, he cooked it for me, and he sat down, and we talked about the game as he was uh, not really feeding me, but as I was eating that T-Bone steak, I, I felt it. So I don't have a father wound. Didn't have a father wound, but I know some of you do. I want to talk about fathering and, and father wounds and healing. I want to look at the passage on the prodigal. But I want to start with application first. And I pass something out. If you look at the, I know I didn't give enough out, but I'm going to read it anyway, so you don't have to worry if you don't see it. Uh, saying, reflecting on the father love of God. <clears throat> As you read the story of the prodigal son, it's not about the father, but we really learn a lot about the father by looking at that story. He was a good father, and yet his sons messed up. Two of them went two different directions. Tell me, tell, first of all, before you look at that, tell me about the two sons and how different they are. Do you know that parents can have kids who are really different? Yes. Think of them in the Bible. 
Huh? Okay, very different. Cain and Abel. Jacob and Esau. Mary and Martha. Peter and Andrew. All kinds. They're different. Here, here's the story of the parable. Jesus tells a story. Man, they're different. How are they different? What's one like? The, the prodigal, the, the, the sons of the prodigal, uh, the, of the father. The parable. Pardon? One's with the pigs. Yeah. He's he, religious and legalistic. You got two very, very different sons in the same family. And it's not the problem of the father, but the kids mess up. Both of them mess up. So it's not just about a father wound, it's about kids' wounds, it's about ste stepping out. It's about disobedience and, and the need for healing. So I'm asking you a question. Finish this sentence. God would love me more if I finish it. Why do I ask this question? Because some of us are thinking that. If I had longer devotions, God would love me more. If I witnessed more, God would love me more. If I, if I didn't fall asleep while I was praying, God would love me more. If you can put anything in that, it's heresy. But yet, we're tempted to think that way. Number two, what do you hear God saying the most to you? When are you going to get it together? Why are you always blowing it? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you, your picture of God is that, and it may be because that's what you heard growing up. I think of a pastor's wife who, when she gro was growing up, she, uh, if she vacuumed, she missed behind the couch, and she'd be reported for that. If she got her hair cut, oh, it's too short. And she had that, heard that so often that as an adult, she found herself really critical of other people. And she wondered, why am I so critical? Well, tell me something about your life. Well, she got that all through her life. So she had a, a family where she was corrected every point. And so that's what God was to her. Get it together. When are you going to come around? When Anybody feel that? Go ahead and raise your hand if you feel some of that. If you feel, if you feel a lot of correcting going on in your heart, easy for that to happen. Once in a while it comes up. Uh-huh. Some goes from the past. From the past. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with it when it comes up? Are you able to? I look for forgiveness. Good. Completely forgiven. Yes. Good. Good, Carl. Interesting. She says she doesn't hear God saying that, but sometimes she feels like people are saying it. God wouldn't say it, but people do. That, that can be hard to deal with. Once Erica asked me after she'd been disobedient, do you love me now, Daddy? I reassured her of my love. Do you find it hard to accept God's forgiveness? Anybody here find it sometimes difficult? To accept God's forgiveness. Like he's a little bit 
reluctant, like he keeps score. If you, Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who would stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. It is so easy to get God's forgiveness. So easy. We see that in the prodigal's father. He didn't even get through his confession. God is so waiting, so longing to apply the blood of Jesus to your life. It is not hard for him. One of my favorite stories of my father, I may have already told it to you before, is when I messed up the car and brought it home. I was I was really sad because it was a nice 1960s Chevy station wagon. When I brought the keys in, I handed it to him and said, I'm sorry, Dad, I messed up the car. I should have known how he'd respond. He said, it's bound to happen sooner or later. Never, never once brought it up. Never said anything about messing up the car. Didn't walk out with me and say, well, let's go take a look at it. He may have snuck out in the middle of the night, but he, he didn't with me. And it said something to me about my value to him. It also said something about my value to God and that it's easy for him to forgive. I hope you don't have an issue with a God quickly forgiving you because that's what we're going to see. He didn't. He didn't. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's true. And so when Gabriel messed up my car, what did I think of? I thought back. I, I was okay. Didn't, didn't, didn't matter. Total bit. Yeah, Mike. Pray that. God, I thank you for the wisdom. I thank you for the sanctification that people in a walk in daily life, when they hear the voice of another, that they quickly realize that yes. God is Father's voice. Yes. And then instead of feeling bad, they begin praising you that has been identified as, another, as a stranger's voice. Yes. And they glorify you because they are becoming pulled up into the heart of the Father, into the love of the Father, and you've been releasing your love. Amen. Amen. Good, good, good. We don't have to take every thought that comes floating through our mind 
accept it like a taking in a stray cat. We don't, we don't have to we don't have to do that. Satan's primary purpose is to deface your picture of God. Did you do it for anybody in the Bible? Who did you do it with? Adam and Eve. He did it right off the bat. He wants to turn God somehow to a different picture, permissive, punitive, passive, performance-oriented God. We heard something about that last week from Bob when he talked about Paul before he was Paul, when he was Saul. He was performance-oriented. He was striving hard, doing well by the world's standards, by his own standards, but killing himself in the process, working so hard to perform. Anybody feel like they have to perform for God because you had to perform in your own family? Where has he been successful with you? So I'm asking you that question. Is there any, any way where the enemy has defaced the picture of God? Is he more like a boss than a father? Telling you what to do. That's what he was to the elder son. Just don't feel close to him. Or is he like a policeman trying to catch us doing wrong, or like a judge hoping to pin us to the wall? Do you have any pictures of God that have been distorted by your past or your present? Let's deal with them today. Let's get healing from those things so we can move on. Number six, a boy forgot to feed the dog. Instead of being forgiven, he was beaten. The punishment did not fit the crime. He has decided that his father doesn't love him. And he has decided that he doesn't love his father. He doesn't want to be around and he can't wait until he can leave for good. Has any bitterness lodged in your soul in a similar way? Anything where you just want to you want to get into the world or you want to get out because of, of something, that some way that somebody has treated you. A girl is walking the streets in downtown Minneapolis. She was devalued at home, not by parents who hated her. They just ignored her. The father was more interested in his golf handicap, and mom was had too many issues herself to help out a lonely daughter. She decides to add value to her life by finding love in the wrong places. It's not working for her. Have you been devalued? Just going to ask, anybody here feel like there are ways that you were devalued and so you're looking for ways to add value to your life? Any, any, any problems with that? We can add value by putting jewelry all over us to say, I have I've got value. I've value. Or, or our intellect, I've got value. Or, I, or athletics. NFL, you watch a football game, and you see guys trying to prove that they're men, adding value to their life by scoring a touchdown and doing a crazy dance, saying, look at me, I've got it. I've got what it takes to be a man. I have value. And what they really want is their dad to say, I'm proud of you. I really like I, I value you. That's what a parent does. A parent gives value. And if a child doesn't hear it from dad, you can hear it from your father. And that's where we're headed to this morning. A teenage boy lives with his grandmother because the parents are separated and the mother can't afford to keep him. His dad promises to come by and take him fishing. After waiting in the living room for three hours, he decides that dad isn't coming. Dad calls the next day and gives a lame excuse. The promise to take him shopping before Christmas ends the same way. After a variety of episodes like this, he decides he isn't worth the time. As an adult, he's still trying to prove to his dad that he's worth spending time with. Identify with this in any way. So, Father, we come to you because the Spirit 
enables us to say, Abba, you're a perfect father. We can't imagine anyone even close to you. You're so tender, you're so uncontrolling, so unmanipulative, so kind, so generous, extravagant, way beyond extravagant, so giving. Every good and perfect gift comes down from you. Would you allow us to get a better picture of you today as we look into your word? I pray that you would bring healing through your word in Jesus' name. Turn to Luke 15. We got Bibles up there. I want everybody to have a Bible. There are about 10 Bibles here. If you can't see a Bible, Jacob will give one to you. He's our Bible man this morning. Luke 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Okay, this is a story about a man and two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, remember that. What did he call his father? He had a father. And he knew he had a father. Give me. That's an important phrase. Now when do inheritance, inheritances usually come real? He's a little ahead of schedule, wouldn't you say? If you were a dad, would you have given him? The inheritance? I don't know if I would, Andrew or Ezra. Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth. Where did he get that wealth? His dad bankrolled this. I was in college once, and I felt like taking a step into the world. And it was as if God said to me, go ahead. It scared me to see how easy it is to leave the Father's house. He wasn't going to restrain me. He didn't restrain this man. You weren't restrained if and when you took your step. It was easy, wasn't it? How uncontrolling God is. The most powerful person in the universe is least controlling, least manipulative. The power that he uses is the power of love. And he wasn't about to restrict this man and keep him there because it wouldn't have done him any good. He was going to go out and see what it's like in the world. But John knows and writes, do not love the world or anything in the world. If any man loves the world, nope. And so here's one who is going to go test it out He's got his father's gifts, but he doesn't want the father. He wants his gifts without him. 
and he's going to walk out and he's going to experience it. And the father is not going to hold him back. Is the father going to think about him? You bet he is. Is he going to suffer? Compassion means cum pathos. It's a compound word meaning with suffering, with passion. Did this father have that? Squandered his wealth in wild living. He was hurting the father. After he had spent everyone, everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. God will not keep us back, but he will tamper with, with the environment. Thank you, Lord is right. He will put things out there. If we're looking, we will see. If you're taking a step and you look around, you'll see some evidence of Father's activity, not in holding you back, but saying, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure this is where you want to go? And after he gets out, a famine comes. So God is going to, God, this father, uh, the father is going to starve him. A severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. That's a good place for a, someone who's trying to experiment with the world to be. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs, not the first choice for a kosher son. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. If you've been in the world long enough, you found out that the Father gives and the world takes. The world has nothing to offer you, but it'll take it from you. It'll suck it out of you. You stay long enough, it'll suck everything out of you. And he stayed long enough, so that he got it sucked out of him by the world. At, yeah. That was Don Fotenhauer, who, who I, he was the first one I heard say that. The, don't give hamburger to someone I have on corn husks. Don't give steak to someone who I'm, I'm putting on hamburger. Don Fotenhauer said that in a sermon. He was saying, if someone's in the world and they're struggling because it's dry and dusty, don't give them a meal. Don't, don't, don't show them how kind it is and how, how God will care for them while they're out in the world. Just let, let God do what he's doing with them. Don't tamper with it. When he came to his senses, now revelation is starting to come. And he begins to think about how things were back at home. He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. Praise God for revelation of a true picture of God in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our struggling. And revelation turns to resolve. He says, I will arise and resolution turns to repentance I will arise sit back go back to my father and say to him father I have sinned against heaven and against you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me when he left what did he say When I come back, he says, make me. 
Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. What does that say about the father? Share some things. Full forgiveness. Pardon? Unconditional love. Pardon? Thought about him all the time. David was marveling at this. He said, I go to bed, you're thinking about me. I wake up, you're still thinking about me. That's what God's outlook is toward you. He's watching you. Not to try to catch you doing something wrong, but because he cares about you so much. His eyes are on you day and night. He hasn't forgotten you. When you think he's forgotten you, it's when he's suffering the most for you. He's quiet, but he's suffering. It says in Judges 10, when he could take it no longer, and it's speaking about God, seeing Israel in disobedience. He couldn't take it anymore. He is suffering so much. Jesus is the man of sorrows. He's the one we, that tells us about what the Father is like. If you want to know what the Father's like, look at Jesus. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And he knows you no better than in your time of grief. And we often interpret pain as the absence of God. In fact, that's when God is most close. He is, what does the Bible say? Near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. If that's where you are now, he's closer to you than ever. You say his voice and you'll hear him speak back to you because he, he, he cares about people. He suffers with. He's not a distant dad who's more concerned about a golf handicap and can't think about his kids. He's thinking about you all the time, relentless in his love. And now he pursues. The Bible says, James said it, the brother of Jesus, you take one step, you draw near, you say, okay, I'm coming back. And what happens? Here comes the Father. When you say, I want more of you, he says, I want more of you. Draw near to God, and he draws near to you. You see where he's at. You see he's on your tail. He's coming after you, relentless in his love. Like Graham Cook says, he's the kindest person I know. Kissed him. I kissed my dad. My dad kissed me. Pardon? I wasn't Italian. I was Norwegian. That's right. And I kissed him. I hugged him. He kissed me. I didn't kiss on the lips. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have cared. That would have been okay with me. But I, you wouldn't have liked it. So I, I didn't do it. But I, uh, there was affection there. There was physical affection. Did I hear, see a hand go up there, Mark? Yeah. Heart says to me, sometimes we think we've gone so far That's right. That's right. The son said to him, and here's a pretty good confession, isn't it? Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He, the elder brother didn't like him because he was so irresponsible. He is really responsible right now. He is so responsible in the way that he deals with his sin. Straight on. It's the elder brother. I never disobeyed you. What? Come on, give me a break. You're disobeying him right now. He says, come in, and you're refusing to come in. He was completely out of touch. 
And that's how this performance-based Christianity will mess us up bad, like you showed us last week. Performance-based Christianity will make us into religious morons who think that God expects us to do a little more. He's already justified us. He's already made us 100% clean. And he wants to enjoy us. We're going to see in a moment what the Father says. We had to celebrate. There's a divine compulsion in the heart of God to celebrate you, to spend time with you, where you just enjoy him and he enjoys you. He loves to celebrate. Who else would come up with unending bliss called heaven? Who else, who else would have invented that? We have hell for Satan. We have heaven for a passionate God who loves to have fun with his kids. Get over it if you're a religious person like I was as a young man. I was religious. I was pharisaical. I tried to change my sister Lois. Now my kids know how long does it take us to start laughing? It takes us about two seconds. And I change. When she said to me, I get the feeling that you're rejoining the human race. <laughs> I, I knew, I knew when Lois told me, because I, I, I let her know. See, the elder brother is not free to go into the world, but he's worldly. The Bible says to be in the world and not of it. Many Christians are of the world and not in it. Just the opposite. And that's what I was. And I, I, I lived by performance. And I wasn't real happy. Didn't laugh. Something changed. People could see it. My congregation could see it. Or something. I took myself less seriously. Took God more seriously. My wife could see it. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> The son said to him, Father, five times we see the word father, never from the lips from the elder brother. Why? Because he didn't have a father. He had a boss. He clocked in in the morning. He clocked out at night. All these years I've been slaving for you, Dulos. I've been a slave for you. He's been working. He had his own field. The, the, the younger son had a field that he was. The older brother had a field. That held him. Just more work. Let's work for God. I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to serve Him. And so he shows up at every work party and teaches Sunday school. No matter, he can't stand kids. He's going to do the work of the Lord. He, help, right? Yes. And we want to serve Him, so we're going to serve Him in the worst way. And we succeed. And if you got close to that person, he'd say, appreciate me, I'm killing myself for you people. Doesn't smile a whole lot either. Father, I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy. Look at, I'm no longer worthy. That settles it. When you realize you're not worthy, it pours upon you. See, it's not a matter of entitlement. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it this break. Ja Jacob, you don't deserve what the Lord's going to do to you in the next few months. You don't deserve any of that. If you want to know what you deserve, I'll tell you what you deserve. But when you realize you don't, oh my, it just starts getting poured upon you. You can't imagine how good it is. If you come with an entitlement, get rid of it today. Any sense of entitlement that I deserve something better, I deserve something more for all I've done for God. Look out. That's dangerous language. But if you say, God is so good, I don't deserve any of it. 
And yet, I don't know why, but he keeps pouring it on. That's the younger brother. What did he want in the world? He wanted a party. What did he get when he came home? A party. He wanted fancy clothes. What did he get? The father put something new. He put a ring on him. He put sandals on him. He's not a slave. Sandals went barefoot. Here he is. He's got shoes. He's got a robe. He's got a party. He's got a celebration. And what does the dad do? To remind him of what he did? No reminder. Let's celebrate. That's all the father wants to do. You know why I had my kids? Because the lawn was getting long. And because we were getting dishes in the sink, we had to, we had to get help. We had to get workers. So we had kids so we could get the job done. And I'm glad we, they worked hard. Didn't you work hard? You work hard. My kids worked hard. You ask them. Not even close. They work hard. But not for that reason. We celebrate. We had to celebrate. It, it came as a result of love. That's how we got kids. That's what God wants. That's what heaven is for. It's for nonstop, I'm almost done, nonstop. Did I see a hand back there? Nonstop rejoicing. I'll get back to my place here. I lost it. Speak if you want to. So I'm not even worthy. He didn't get through a speech. But the father said to his servants, quick. He heard enough. That was all he needed. This son's, he's, he's being honest. Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger. So they're celebrating. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. He heard dancing, and music and dancing. So he called to his servants and asked him what was going on. He was so clueless. He asked what was going on. <laughs> There's a party. You can come. He wouldn't feel comfortable at a party. He wouldn't feel comfortable there celebrating. Say it, Kathy. I just think it's super cool how God, you know, the, the father saw the son coming. And the cool thing is he knew his son. He knew his heart when he was in the world. And then when he came back, he knew his son's heart had changed. And that's why he gave him the party. He knew his son. I mean, it's, if you come back, you know, sometimes your son might be, you know, a little bit on the edge asking the world still. But God, he, he, this, this father knew his son had totally changed. Yeah, yeah. God knows our hearts. You know, and, and you know, the other son, like you said, is totally performance-based. You know, that father knew his son's heart, too. But he didn't criticize him, either. He was kind of waiting for that dad, the other son to, to get it right, too. You know, I mean, we're all screwed up. In one way or another. Right. And that father, I think it's just so amazing how he saw him and recognized from far off, way far off, that his son had changed. And that's why he went to him. Let's take that and go to prayer. We can finish this maybe next week or down the line. not only gave this gift of his land to him, 
but he also had to know that if his son comes back as his heart, as the father, he's going to then call him his cousin. So not only is he receiving you when you come back, but he knew that he was going to blow it because he spent his whole life getting it. So it's not like he's going to go play blackjack and win it all in one hand. He's going to blow it. And if he comes back, that you're not only getting the not only getting God's grace coming back, but he already knew in advance that you were going to spoil what he gave for you and worked for you. So I just think adding on that. That's beautiful. He's not surprised when you rebel. He's not surprised when you fail. Not surprised at all. That's what he sent Jesus for ahead of time. Ahead of time for all of us. Let's pray together. Let's pray for healing in this room. Let's pray for healing in hearts. Let's pray for God to apprehend us in a new way. Let's pray for revelation of, of how good God is. Let's pray for those who are in here who are struggling with acceptance because of a need to try harder, like Saul was doing, or to perform, or feeling shame because they've blown it bad out in the world, and they have that memory, and it's hard to change. I wonder if the son was thinking, when, when is my dad going to take me behind a barn and beat it out of me? And he never does. He's just he's too good. Father, we say this morning that you are good beyond anything that we can imagine. You're just way too good. And you've got angels to do your work, and you've got children to enjoy. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit so that we could cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy. If you were in Israel today, you'd hear a boy running after his dad and say, Abba, Abba. Bring healing this morning, God, to the, to the thoughts that we have that scandalize heaven. the thoughts of shame, the thoughts of guilt, as if the cross wasn't enough, the thoughts that we need to perform better as if we're not whole in Christ, the thoughts that we may not be loved as much as somebody else because they appear to be getting more blessings than we do, Forgive us for comparing ourselves and making it harder for you to show your love to us. We're going to divide up into groups in just a moment, but right now, as best you can, as best you can, say yes to his love to you. However you want to, in your own heart, as he doesn't need it, but give him permission to show his love to you. Father would sing over you. The Father would say to you, I never sleep. I never slumber. And he says, 
The song goes, he watches over you both night and day. He never sleeps, he never slumbers. He watches over you both night and day. Both night and day, Lord. He says, I watch over you, both night and day, so we thank Thank you. you, We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Oh, how we love you, love you, love you. Pour it down, Lord. Pour down your love and your grace and your mercy. Today we say yes, yes, yes. We open our hearts and we say yes to you. More, Father, more, Father. Even at night, Lord, we know that you bring your healing, your grace, your love, your mercy. It is so wonderful, Father. Hallelujah. And we are sorry when we have stiff-armed your grace, like the elder Sunday, when we have held you off so that we could do a little more work, so that we could get something more done, so that we could perform a little better. We are sorry when we have held you off. We don't want to do that. We want to receive you as you come to us today and rest in your love. Now, you don't take all the issues, but take one thing as you divide up groups of two or three, not any bigger than that. Just take one thing that, that uh, may keep you from experiencing the love that the Father wants to show you. Name something and have others pray for you. You pray for them. Just groups of two, at the most three, so that you can do business. Take, you can take a minute or five minutes or however long you want. But we want to uh, come together. If you want prayer up front, I'll be here. Karen will be here. We can pray for you up front as well if you'd like it that way. The Lord bless you. Lord keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Look upon you with his favor grant you his peace. Okay, go for it.